What is up, team? Welcome back to the Red Storm Rap Reaction Podcast. I'm Pat Kane, and St. John's is now 1-4 in the Big East. They lose their fourth straight game to Marquette. You guys saw it last night. I know I'm 24 hours behind. I apologize for the not-so-rapid reaction. I did watch it late last night. Started about 10.30, finished around 12. Um, first half was nice to see. Some good offensive performances. But we all felt it slipping away. We all felt a little bit of fool's gold feeling when we were up by seven points after shooting close to 70% in the first half. We couldn't keep that pace up, and we had shown no signs of forcing tough shots by Marquette. Yeah, we had a nice lead. Yeah, we were keeping up scoring-wise. But, you know, if we're not getting really easy looks, can we continue to, to hit tough shots? And we, we did score decently well in the second half, 37 points, I believe, but nothing like the 55 we gave up. And what was, without a doubt, the worst defensive performance I've seen by this St. John's team in as far as I can remember. And that's after an 88-point led up to Seton Hall, who would prefer, prefer to play a game in the 60s. So we know the defense was already atrocious. Today it got just beyond atrocious. Backdoor cuts, lackadaisical transition defense, losing your man on the perimeter. Um, just we ran the gamut in terms of poor defense, and it was uh, you know easy to comprehend why, while scoring 85 points, we still got beat by 11 points. Another you know adjustment came this game, and it wasn't for the good guys. Fourth straight game where we've seen huge turnarounds and points from one point in the game to the end of the point in the game, and of course the end is when you need to be on top. Uh, last night we saw a. Nine, or a 20-point turnaround, went from being up 9 to losing by 11. We saw a 32-point turnaround against Seton Hall, being up 10, uh, losing by 22. We saw a 26-point turnaround versus Villanova. We were up 11 points at one point. Um, lost by 18, I believe. Um, a 19-point turnaround versus Xavier. So it just has been a bad habit, and easy to predict it happening. We've come out at least with some decent energy or game plan, but we've been all right for the first 10 minutes of the games. Um, Sands that Xavier run where they, they pummeled on us pretty early. But Villanova, Seton Hall, Marquette, you know, we were looking like a capable team, a team, a team that could go toe-to-toe with that opponent for the first 10, 15 minutes of the game. Last night it was for the first half. And once the, flick, the switch got flipped, Flicked, flipped, whatever you want to say, and the coaches started coaching, making adjustments, um, you know, exploiting weaknesses they see, um, shoring up some weaknesses the other team was taking advantage of. Uh, Seton Hall, in particular, they went to the zone, stifled us. Marquette kind of just kept at it, kept running their sets, knowing we didn't, couldn't keep up with that pace. And eventually, you know, we came out on the bottom. And it doesn't look like, you know, uh, these are fluke losses. It looks like it's something that we should expect for some time now, and that's unfortunate. You know, last night was the most, or I want to say the least worried I've been about a come-from-behind loss because I just really didn't even care. I saw it coming, and that's the uh, the worst feeling to have as a fan is is not caring. You know, I'd rather be pissed off or extremely happy than just sitting there and, you know, could care less about the results of the game. Obviously, I was pulling for a St. John's win. I just never got my hopes up. And when it looked like, you know, it was surely going towards the, the lost direction, I just kind of let it happen. And you know what? It seemed like St. John's kind of let it happen. 
one thing I will say about um, the all-access game against Xavier, which was an embarrassment among embarrassments, it looked like Coach Anderson continued to coach no matter what the score was. And by coach, I mean yell and cheer. I, I don't know about direction or structure, but at least he was showing passion and cheering the guys on, motivating the guys to move forward. And that was about the least I could give him. Last night, it looked like he laid down with the team. There was times where he was doing the old Mullen lean up against the scores table, not saying much. He looked worn out and worn down. And, you know, the fans seemed worn out and worn down. Even when we were up seven points at halftime and playing well, they never seemed quite into it. Obviously, you see the stuff with the bags on the heads and fans getting pissed off. And, like, you know, rightfully so, they're upset. <coughs> rightfully so, they're upset. Excuse me. But that's not a good look, obviously. Not a good look for the players. Not a good look for the team. You feel bad for the players who were out there giving it their all. Last night, I thought there was times when, you know, we weren't giving it our all. There was, you know, we kind of got down by 10 or so points. We put a couple fights into it, but defensively, we were really there. It seemed like we needed to get within three or four points to really, you know, ramp it up. And this team has shown us that just a run here and there isn't enough to get wins. And a good start here and there isn't enough to sustain it. Um, we need to see adjustments. We need to get a, a see a, a better idea of what we're trying to do offensively. I'll start by just bringing up AJ Store again. You know, probably our most pure, talented perimeter player. Best shot. He's an athlete. Not the total package offensively. He's got a lot to work to do on the creative side, creative side of it. But finishing, scoring. Um, we haven't got him consistent looks or consistent minutes. And I know he's been poor on defense. Last night was no, um, you know, was just as, just the same, unfortunately, defensively. But, again, most guys were getting beat defensively, so you can't just point at AJ. But we got to be more um, creative in how we're going to use him. Let's look at Marquette last night. All those guards were dribble handoffing. I'm not talking about a weave up top 10 feet above the three-point line where no one has to guard you. I'm talking about attacking the wing with a dribble handoff, attacking the defender with a dribble handoff. All those guards were setting screens, ball screens, back screens. Have we seen a screen by AJ? Have we seen him set a back screen to get a cutter open? Have we seen him set a ball screen for a pick and pop? You know, just because he's not a 6'11 guy doesn't mean you can't set screens. It makes defenders talk, communicate, switch, react, puts them in positions where they might have to guard two guys. We see the same high ball screen over and over again. And, yeah, that's something we should utilize, but it's not the most difficult thing to guard, you know, when we don't have shooters on the perimeter. The reason why the pick and roll is so effective against us is because it's the offside wing. When he lifts on that pick and roll, he forces our help defender to choose. Are we going to help the roll man in the middle or stretch out to the perimeter? And we extend so high in the perimeter, that middle man, the help man, is left in no man's land. And too often times he's got to hedge too far towards the middle, take away the roll, leaving the guy in the perimeter wide open for three. We see that all the time. You know, I don't have to go into too, too much detail about that. But on the flip side, when we're uh, on offense, that help guy doesn't have to help or worry about helping off nearly as much. They can sink in the paint, knowing that we're going to sink or pass it to Mathis or Rasu. And even when they are, you know, hot from three, they take forever to get the shot off. It's not like you really got to worry about um, giving them too much space. You can close out and then it's kind of just letting them shoot if you want. Posh, Grabella, we know the deal there. So, you know, I'd love to see some creativity in terms of how we can you know, get AJ involved in particular and just our guards more useful uh, setting screens for each other. It doesn't have to be, just be Soriano. We can get more creative. 
those two passes at the top of the uh, top of the key on near back-to-back plays by Soriano last night were nice. Uh, good to see Posh get aggressive in scoring in other ways. Um, you need him to be aggressive. He came out looking to shoot. When I say aggressive, I don't think he needs to have a quick trigger from three, but he needs to be aggressive in terms of he needs to make sure people are guarding him. I feel like they have to guard him. I hit those first two threes yesterday. A lot of people are going to say, you know, addition by subtraction without Capello. I think that's a little bit premature. I think it was just two shots that he's been taking all year. He happened to make them. We saw in the second half, he didn't have a great game. We saw the game before when they split up the minutes between him and Corbello. He didn't have a great game. So I don't think we can just point to Corbello as Pasha's uh, reasoning to struggle. Maybe it's a factor. Uh, you know, I won't fight you there, but there's a lot of this that's on Posh. And if there's any hope for us to turn this season around and make it somewhat competitive, it's going to be Posh playing much better than he has. Um, Wusu played a really, really good game last night, got the start in the point guard position. And, uh, you know, aside from Soriano, who had an amazing first half, he was our best player for the whole game. Uh, for the you know first and second half combined, the best all-around game at least. Um, but still, he had plenty of defensive lapses too, where it looked like he was beaten, getting beat back door. Uh, that was pretty much everybody out there. Um, yeah, I, it's just you're you're not going to win games uh, in a an even possession game with Marquette, who can score more, especially when they win the turnover battle. You know, we had 16 turnovers that are 14, so. Are we a better offensive team than them, a better defensive team if we're not turning them over? The answer is no to both those. And, you know, you get beat by 11 on your home court after being up by seven at halftime. You got your ass beat. When it came push and shove, you got your ass beat. And it's becoming par for the course, which is unfortunate. Um, We will be going to Providence, a tough place to play. They play Connecticut tonight. That should be a battle. Um, depending on how this game goes, might have some effect if they're really riding high off a big Connecticut win or if they're down off a loss. Who knows? We got to stop worrying about the other team. We got to come out and take it to them. I do not feel confident going to Providence and getting a win on the road. Our back is completely against the wall. Again, I'll say it again. Backs, basketball is a crazy, unpredictable, unpredictable sport. You never know when momentum is going to switch. But seeing what we've seen, you're already starting from a hole. You know, from a coaching perspective, from a talent perspective, from a cohesion perspective. Uh, we are starting in a hole, and we got to get hot early, and then we got to get some sustained success, not luck success, not bad shots going in success. Executing on offense, getting stops on defense that aren't reliant on, you know, BS steals too much, or else you're going to be just trying to hold off teams from early leads, and eventually they'll catch up to you. We've seen it all before. We've seen it this year. We saw it against Villanova in the tournament last, in the Big East tournament last year. We've seen it before then. Just not a sustainable way to win. It's unfortunate. It really is. Uh, this is the second game in a row where Mike Anderson had to blow a timeout before the 16 and under timeout in the second half. So after all the halftime speeches, after all the adjustments, after coming out of the break, two games in a row, we couldn't make it to the under 16 timeout without calling a timeout. That's how bad we came out. That's how poorly prepared we were to start the second half. Two games in a row. That's a terrible you know, indictment on indictment on what was said to the to the team at halftime and whether or not they were to, able to pick up on that message. And two times in a row, they were not. Either that or the message just wasn't good enough and it was completely, you know, outperformed by the other coach. Could be that. Very much so could be that. And he probably could have made the case again that he should have took the timeout earlier tonight. He very well could have made it. He shouldn't have made it. Shouldn't have waited till about 16, 20 to take that timeout. Could have took away about 18 minutes left the way we came out at half. Marquette was getting wide open looks. And it's no surprise. No surprise. Um, let's show this screen, guys, on YouTube. I hope you like this new setup. Uh, I will be going live Saturday. I'm going to give that a shot on YouTube. I'll watch the game 
Um, I'll, you know, talk about the game, kind of pseudo comment it. I'm not going to get my mic green on, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what's going on, on the screen. Unfortunately, you know, you can't broadcast, broadcast the screen, but if you tune in on your TV, I tune on my TV, we'll have the chat going. We can talk. I can bring on some fans that can talk on the podcast if they want to, um, if things go well. But I really look forward to it. Hopefully, you guys will join me. I will still continue to do the, uh, the post-game podcast. No worry there. Let's take a look at the box score. 96-85. Like I said, uh, Omar, I'm sorry, uh, Joel led us with 22 points, 13 rebounds, another double-double. That's just, you know, what you expect at this point. Killed it in the first half, slowed down a little bit in the second half. Um, he might only have three or four points in the second half. Actually, he had a huge first half scoring-wise. Uh, two for two from the free throw line. Would have liked to see him get there a couple more times. But again, not n- anything to do with our problems. Um, Soriano, uh, wow, Wusu right below him. 21 points, five assists, three rebounds, two steals. Like I said, a really good game from him. Three for five from three. Uh, hopefully that continues with or without Corbello coming back. Uh, we'll see him you know, play well and shoot well. Unfortunately, when he plays well, Mathis seems to play poorly. Again, tough night shooting for him. He's called, he's fallen back down to earth. Five points, 0 for 2 from 3, 1 for 5 from the field. No rebounds, 1 assist with 3 turnovers. Him and Wasu combined for 6 turnovers. That's 6 turnovers from your starting backcourt. Back That's tough. Jones, 13 points, only 3 rebounds. A, a poor rebounding night from him and a poor shooting night overall. 5 for 16 from the field, but he did go 2 for 4 from 3. I think that's 3 straight games where he's had good uh, showings from three, making uh, better decisions on the three-point selection. He's still got to get better and more crisp attacking the basket, finishing through contact and not going up. So, you know, uh, you know, like a bull in a china shop, you know, with some strength, some focus, um, some control, and then maybe he'll get to the line a little bit more than the two attempts he got today. And that's about what he's averaged on the year. Not enough for a guy with his physical uh, attributes, in my opinion. Stanley got the start, four rebounds or four points, one rebound. Not a lot of impact. Um, and then the bench, Posh off the bench. Like I said, he came out hot, 11 points. All 11 of those might have been in the first half. As a matter of fact, I believe they were. He had those two threes and those two alley oop layup passes from um, Soriano. Five assists. Three steals, four rebounds. Those ancillary numbers right there are what you expect from Posh when he's playing well. A handful of everything right there. Um, you know, like I said, I wouldn't credit that first half to Curbelo not being there, but it's hopefully a step in the right direction of what we can see from him. Um, it's been, you know, tough to watch, and I feel for that guy because he is such a competitor. I mean, such a competitor. And we've seen it for three straight years. He He's willed us to some big wins. Uh, he's fought hard in all the tough losses, and it just it's, it's its painful to see a guy struggle so much when he gives it his all. But it, it is a huge factor in our poor play, unfortunately. Um, store, three points, one for one from three. Did have one rebound, one assist in only 17 minutes. That one rebound and one assist, I would hate to say, but it's an improvement. He needs to continue to do that. Um, defensively, he needs to continue to go at it, pay attention, uh, focus on getting back on defense, focus on, you know, fighting – for rebounds, uh, do the little things in that regard, and then hopefully that will earn you some trust within the coach. And like I said, hopefully he'll get you more involved. I don't blame you for the offensive, um, I'm not even going to call them struggles, um, the lack of use on offense. I think it's you know crazy how little we've used you and how uh, how little we've tried to set you up. Um, defensively, though, you've got to put that work in. You've got to be better. You've got to help out in other areas. And then 
uh, Drissa Treor, I forgot to mention, had a, a nice spurt in the first half, had a nice bucket, a couple rebounds, did have a couple turnovers when things started to go downhill a little bit. And NY, uh, four points, three rebounds, one assist in 20 minutes. Kind of non-existent. The 20 minutes is the most he's got all year, I do believe. The one assist he had was a good pass, a dump down low, high low to Soriano. I do remember last year he had a, you know, a, a tendency to make a good pass now and again. Um, maybe we'll see some more of that. But, you know, him and Stanley didn't really make much of an impact. And, uh, you know, Soriano can only do so much by himself in there. It would be nice to have a surprising good game from one of those guys, maybe a double-digit game out of nowhere that could really help our shooting woes in the backcourt. But look at me. I'm begging for luck, basically. It's not a good way to go about getting wins. Uh, team stats, Marquette shot 53.2% from the field. Uh, we outshot him in the first half big time and when they ended up out shooting us for the game that tells a story they were 10 for 23 from 344 percent you know that kind of washes away our great eight for 17 from three night um giving up 10 10 threes a lot of them way too open it's just a recipe for disaster obviously they got to the line 14 more times than us that's never good and that's an issue with this team um offensive rebound on the, on the bright side we did get 13 offensive rebound Offensive rebounds ourselves. We've been good going after the boards. We need to do that because we shoot so poorly. But we did give up 12 offensive rebounds to Marquette. Another wash there. 18 assists. Good job sharing the basketball, but another wash. Marquette had 18 assists. They shared the ball beautifully. Uh, Kolick is, you know, my favorite player to watch in the league. He's such a good passer, such a, you know, great eye for the game and knowing when to push it, when to slow it down, when to get other guys involved, where to be. It's, you know, he makes that team go and he might never lead them in scoring, but he certainly leads them in what they want to get done. Um, 15 fouls of theirs to 20 of us. I've said it before, our foul issuing is, our foul issues are a serious, serious problem. And it's another reason why we should, you know, pull back a little bit on this over aggressive defense. It just, just doesn't yield enough. And it, you know, you change your approach. You battle with the guys you have. We've got grinded out players. You might have athletes. You might think in order for us to score, we got to get on a run. But getting on a run is uh, is yielding way too many points. You know, if we structured ourselves a little bit more, uh, made ourselves a defensive half-court team, I think we could play really good half-court defense. But with that, you've got to get created on the offensive end. I don't think we've seen really good full-court pressure defense, especially against teams that are, you know, capable. I think we've got pieces that could guard really well in the half court. If we didn't overextend, if we didn't look to trap everything. Uh, Wusu, Mathis, Posh, Curbelo, all really quick feet, all strong defenders. Um, Soriano can anchor the post, but if he's outside extended, like that fourth foul he got trying to guard Kolek 80 feet from the basket last night, he's going to get into foul troubles and it's going to lead to open threes. So you're going to have to concede a little bit, I'm afraid, Coach Anderson. You're going to have to give up this a little bit of the style and adapt to what will work for this team. Cause you might not get another chance, you know, starting to look that way. And there'll be plenty of people that are hoping it's the case. Um, I'm hoping we can still get some wins and make this season somewhat enjoyable. I don't want to come off here, come on here after all these losses and, and hear from the fans. Trust me. It's the last thing I want to do, but it's looking more and more like that might be the case, but guys, thank you for tuning in. I do really appreciate it. Um, I can't say it enough. I hope you guys join me Saturday, 12 o'clock on YouTube Live. I hope you guys who are listening to the podcast through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, join the YouTube page. Take a look there. Uh, keep continuing to listen to the podcast. Those won't stop. Um, for Justin Burrell, this has been Pat Kane, Red Storm Rapid Reaction Podcast. Peace.